the sun sets on the regular season, the postseason is here. Swing, fly to left. This should do it. Yelich is there. It's over. And the Brewers are Central Division champions. This is Brew October Nightly, presented by NX Wealth Management and sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Town Bank, a Wintrust Community Bank. Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. And now, here's your host for the most on the Brewers postseason, Matt Foley. All right, here we are. Like, we got to do this a few times now. The, the final editions. Last night, we did the uh, final edition of Brewers Extra Innings for the year. Today, we're doing the final edition of uh, Brew October Nightly. Tomorrow, It'll kind of be the final in-season edition of Brewers Weekly. I'm just being uh, dragged through the ringer here as we look back at the season that was for the Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome in. It is Brew October Nightly, as mentioned. Final edition ever for this year. The final ever? That's a weird way to say it. Final 2021 edition of Brew October Nightly. Hopefully we are doing this again uh, next year and the year after and the year after. And this uh, streak of the Brewers making the playoffs four years in a row continues to uh, move up and onward. You just hope that those postseason runs are a little bit more extended in future years than a very short four-game postseason run this year. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can call, you can text, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air, as we all try to kind of unpack what the heck happened. What happened? How How is it that it is Wednesday, October 13th at 6.04 p.m. and the Brewers are done? Season's over. Playoffs in the rearview mirror. <laughs> that's the that's the collective sound that Brewers fans are making. <laughs> we can just say it together on three. One, two, three. <laughs> um, how are you feeling? How are you feeling today? Like last night, we did Brewers extra innings, and there were a lot of very upset people, upset, and rightfully so because this was an incredibly disappointing finish for the Brewers, a year where you saw this team as a legitimate World Series contender. They had a legitimate shot to win the National League, all of these things, and it just it didn't happen. It just do- does not happen this year. And has the, uh, has the night of sleep, if you got any, the, the day of going through work or whatever you happen to do today, has it, has it made you feel better at all? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. Our first, uh, our first text message that comes through a two-word text: bad manager. <laughs> Craig Council's taking a lot of grief on this one. He is taking a lot of grief, and I'll admit, like the the decisions he made didn't work, didn't work, and we'll get into this a lot coming up in our next segment because I really want to. I want to dive into some of these decisions that were made. And I always say this, and I will stand by it. Just because a decision works doesn't mean it was the right decision. And just because a decision doesn't work doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. If a decision's going to work 7 out of 10 times, well, that's a good decision 100% of the time, even when 
when it doesn't work, right? That, that that's just the way it, that's just the way it is. But were these good decisions? Were these bad decisions? How do we evaluate some of the decisions that were made by Craig Council? Like this is this is the cost of being a major league manager. Every single thing you do, it, the the magnifying glass on it during the postseason, it, it is it is straight on you, straight on you, and a move that doesn't even nobody bats an eye on during the regular season. If Eric Lauer is lifted with the bases loaded in the fourth inning in a regular season game, you're going, okay, well, they, they saw something. But in a postseason game, in a, in a decisive postseason game, all of a sudden that happens, and the criticism that goes along with it, especially when that decision doesn't work, it's just so much heightened. It, it, there's so much attention on it. And... That's that's the way things that's the way things are. That's the cost of doing business, right? That's you want to be a major league manager. Well, guess what? You are going to be uh, in, just criticized when decisions you make don't go well. And there's a lot of people out there that don't want to talk about the nuance. Like I just said this whole thing about you know seven out of ten times if a decision works, you know, the three out of ten doesn't mean that it's a wrong decision. Yada yada yada. Like there's people who just don't want to hear that. Don't care. Decision doesn't work. It was a bad decision. Don't want to look at the nuance. Don't want to consider reasons behind decisions. If it works, it was a good move. If it doesn't work, it was a bad move. Very black and white view of things. That's not how baseball works. That's just not. But there's people, especially in the postseason, where there's a lot of people who are not paying super close attention to what's going on over a course of a 162-game regular season. They, uh, they, start to, uh, they start to lock in. They start to really lock in in the postseason. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can uh, tweet into the program, at Matt Pauley on air. Um, also an opportunity to kind of vent a little bit for you. We did this a lot during Brewers Extra Innings last night, not just trying to do a repeat of what we did last night uh, on the program, but I know not everybody can uh, stay up late and listen to that program. So we'll still give you an opportunity to vent a little bit here on the show today if you want to uh, express your thoughts on the way that the season came to an end because it came to an end in a very unexpected, disappointing fashion. I think you know multiple things can be true. I talk about nuance. The Brewers had a successful season. They won the division. They won a lot of games. They won 90-plus games. This was a successful season for the Brewers. But it was also a year that ended in great disappointment. A year that ended in underachieving. A year that ended in them not going as far in the postseason as they should have been able to go. Let's go to Doug in Green Bay, who has given us a call. Hey, Doug, you're on WTMJ and across uh, uh, also uh, ESPN Milwaukee and The Truth. We're doing our uh, three-station simulcast tonight. You're on Brew October Nightly. Hey, thanks for taking my call right away. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm going to say it. Whether it's not right or wrong, what, what, whether to sit your players towards the end of the season, but just from my experience of playing somewhat baseball, not at a high level, but playing baseball and watching baseball for over 50 years, the worst thing that can happen to you is having to sit on the bench for whatever reason when you're playing good. Because it's not like riding a bike. You don't just get back on and you're right back there. It's all about getting into a groove and getting and how you're feeling and all that. And once that goes away, it's very hard to get it back just like that. 
you know, Doug, who uh, specifically are you at talking about? I'm, I'm talking about all the star players that the Brewers, Willie Adamas, you know, he sure he had an injury, but you know, that's not his fault that, but I'm just saying it's very hard to get back into a good groove. Once you sit on the bench for a while. And it's, it's happened with Council. He's he's given guys days off after they've had hot streaks, you know. And I just can't see that. The the analytics. Hey Doug, I'm not I'm not trying to be game. like adversarial with you right now, but like I would I, I really don't know who you're speaking of. There was there were guys who got a day here and a day there down the stretch, but outside of players who were injured, who just couldn't play, I'm not quite sure who you're talking about. It's just guys just being sat on the bench and not playing. I'm talking about. Pretty much the whole team in general, you're in and out of the lineup, in and out of the lineup. You know, it's guys aren't playing every day, and that's what I'm talking about. You should have your star players playing every day. I don't – and I want to make one more point about the analytics of the game. You know, you're playing laws of averages, so there's going to be high points and low points. When it comes to the playoffs, you don't have time to wait for that high point to come back around again. Sometimes you got to make gut decisions, you know. And I just, that's the way I see it. You you got. I don't care if it's lefty versus righty, righty righty, lefty lefty. If a guy's hot, you leave him in the game. You never sit him down. Okay, so in the postseason, who got sat that you would have? I guess Omar Narvaez would be the, the best example because there was a, there were some starts for Manny Pena in there. But outside of uh, outside of that, was it, were you unhappy with any other player who was not in there? I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have played Colton Wong at all. I would have had Urias playing second base, Escobar playing third, and Telez at first. That is okay, that would have been every game that way. All right, hey. hey if you want to go into the postseason and not play the guy who was one of your single most important players during the course of the season, that's you. Like we'll just uh, we'll just agree to disagree on that one. That's not one that I'm even going to go down on. Uh, Matt's in Watertown. Hey Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hey Matt, thanks for taking my call. Yep. So, um, I, I felt like after we clinched the division, that kind of to Doug's point, definitely not during the playoffs, but I felt like. We were running out the B team quite a bit. Like we weren't priming guys to be ready for the postseason. A lot of our, uh, a lot of our everyday players had extended time off leading up to the playoffs. In the playoffs, I was fine with the, with the lineups, and I I really don't have any issues with Council. Other than that, I think Council's a fantastic manager, and that we're lucky to have him. And honestly, I'm I'm still very excited about next year. Uh, I think if we get a legitimate first baseman who can produce every day, I, I understand we haven't had one since Prince, and they're hard to come by. But if we can actually get a first baseman that will produce every day instead of having to plug in guys who, who might do something here and there, plus getting a full season out of Willie, plus having a full season of Aaron Ashby on the roster, I love it. I'll take our chances next year. 
All right, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much. 855-616-1620 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, we're uh, kind of doing a post-mortem on everything that went down uh, with the Brewers uh, this year and just the way uh, that it worked out. Uh, Doug mentioning Eduardo Escobar as being somebody who should have been in the lineup a little bit more. Uh, it kind of came down to Escobar or Luis uh, Urias because, look, you can say, and I, you know, Doug's a very regular texter to the program, and I know he's not a huge fan of Rowdy Telez at first base. The Brewers got five extra base hits. Two of them came off the bat of Rowdy Telez, and he hit the only two home runs. Uh, Rowdy Telez was the best, was the most, I won't say the best. Rowdy Telez was the most impactful offensive player for the Brewers in this series. So, uh, Eduardo Escobar didn't play poorly. He had a 300 average. He was 3 of 10 uh, before he got a base hit there in the ninth inning. So before that, he was 2 of 9. But I mean, it wasn't like he was somebody, uh, he was not, he did not have the impact that you wanted him to have. And Luis Urias turned into actually one of your better power hitters during the regular season this year. Escobar obviously has power too. Uh, Urias, I think they felt better about the potential of a, of a Urias home run than an Escobar home run for uh, whatever reason, and they made that decision, and those are the kind of decisions you have to make in, in the playoffs. I do want to discuss the idea of the momentum from the regular season into the postseason, and we discussed it a ton ad nauseum uh, going into the postseason, but now that the postseason is in the rearview mirror, do we change the way, or should I change the way I felt about the way they finished off the year? We'll talk about that. We'll also go through some of those decisions that Craig Council made and uh, try to figure out right decisions, wrong decisions, right decisions that worked, wrong, you know, that just yeah, just the way you do it in the postseason. You, you break down every decision that was made, and a lot of managerial decisions uh, had an impact in this series as the Brewers ended up losing to the Braves three games to one. We're back with more in a moment. It's Brew October Nightly. Now, more of Brew October Nightly, presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Town Bank, a Wintrust Community Bank, and Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. The final edition of Brew October Nightly, the post-mortem continues. Brewers done. They lose to the Braves in four games after a uh, loss yesterday. Freddie Freeman hitting a home run against Josh Hader. First time this season that the uh, that Hader had given up a home run to a left-handed hitter. You know, there are a ton of decisions in this series. And I'm a Craig Council fan. I think Craig Council is one of the greatest managers in baseball. And I'm not backing off that at all. Uh, there were decisions he made that clearly did not work. They just didn't work. Uh, the when when you lift Freddie Peralta to try to force some offense, well that that decision kind of twofold didn't work. We discussed whether or not Vogelback was the right guy in that situation, and we discussed whether or not lifting Peralta in that situation was the right decision. Yesterday, lifting Eric Lauer. Bluntly, I didn't like those decisions. If I'm managing the team, those are decisions that I'm not making. But at the same time, you can disagree with a decision, but it not be per se a bad decision. And this is not me trying to carry water for the team or anything. I think we have lost the ability in our culture to go look at people who do things differently than us and at least try to understand why they're doing it differently. I would not have lifted Eric Lauer yesterday. I understand why Craig Council did it. 
I would not have lifted Freddie Peralta. I understand why Craig Council did it. I wouldn't have used Daniel Vogel back in that situation. I understand why Craig Council did it. What about the Josh Hader move yesterday? I think I would have done that. I, I, I liked that move because that's a move where if you lose that game, if Freddie Freeman's coming up in the eighth inning, and let's say he's facing off against Brad Boxberger, and he hits that home run off of Boxberger, then you just you just lost that game without using Josh Hader, like that. That was the spot for him. You were you were facing the middle of the order for the Braves. That's the spot for Hader. And essentially, what Craig Council did was he started his using the bullpen backwards and in inning early. Because if it's a tie game in the ninth inning, Josh Hader comes in and then they work backwards from there. You know. If Devin Williams is healthy, so this doesn't apply to yesterday, but in the regular season, if Devin Williams hasn't been used and you're using Hader in the ninth in a tie game, well, then it's going to be Williams who covers the 10th, and it's going to be Boxberger who covers the 11th. You just you reverse everything, and that's the way he's handled his bullpen. Yesterday, he kind of does that in inning early with Hader, and it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Freddie Freeman hits the home run. It doesn't work. The, the tough thing about sports and the tough things about decisions is we never really know what would have happened if that decision was not made. What if, what if Eric Lauer stays in the game and Hunter Strickland doesn't come in? Well, for all we know, the next pitch is a grand slam because the bases are loaded. And then we're saying they're having the discussion of whether or not, you know, oh, clearly, clearly Lauer was struggling. Why are you leaving him in? You had Hunter Strickland available all season long. Strickland has been the guy who comes in and, and picks up the starters when they run into trouble. So that's a, it's really easy to be very critical, incredibly critical when we know what happened. We never know. We will never know what would have happened on the other side of things. Let's go to Tom in Waukesha. Hey, Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Matt. Um, I'm a longtime fan. I am in whatever stage of grief, denial, I guess, right now. But as a fan, parent, but also a coach, it was Council is a tremendous manager, and he did. I'm fine with his decisions. We didn't hit the ball, okay? Uh, we couldn't get a bunt down. You know, we didn't hit the ball well at all. And that, that is just how it went. And why? Who knows, but I can't say at all that it's pointing fingers at Council or his staff. I think it's just players didn't hit and Atlanta pitched better. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I feel, I feel like when a season ends like this, sometimes we try to get a little bit more complicated than we need to on figuring out the reason why. Like, I just went over all those council decisions and everything, and they're fun to talk about. It's a fun baseball conversation. Even when a team loses and the season is over, I think it's a fun con- – as, as somebody who loves the game of baseball, I love being able to sit down and have the conversation – was lifting Freddie Peralta because he hadn't scored in two games uh, and, and trying to force the offense. Is that a good decision or is that a bad decision? That's a fun conversation for me to have, especially when you can have the conversation with people who can acknowledge that there's reasons to do each. Like n- Neither decision is per se a bad decision. There's reasons to do each. But the bottom line on this is and, and the, the Brewers didn't hit. The, that's the simple thing. We don't have to get super complicated here. There is there is no nuance to this. There's no shades of gray on this. From an offensive standpoint, the Brewers simply did not hit. 
their offensive numbers for the four games of the NLDS. A 192 batting average. 192. They go 24 for 125. Six runs scored. Five extra base hits. Three doubles and two home runs. Both home runs being hit by Rowdy Telez. An on-base percentage at 262. A slugging percentage of 264, which is as atrocious as you can get. A 527 OPS. They struck out 48 times and only got nine walks. Those are horrendous numbers. Those are horrendous. There's, the, there's not a good number on there. We can, we can judge which one's the worst number. I think these 264 slugging percentage is the worst number of all the numbers. Maybe a second worst number. The six total runs is probably the worst number uh, in that group. But that, that's why they lost. That's why. They didn't lose for any other reason. That's why. They, they did not hit the baseball at all during the series. And I, you know what? I chuckle. And I, I don't want to have the sacrifice qu- uh, conversation. I don't want to have the bunting conversation. We, we did that a lot on Brewers Extra Innings, and I'm done with that one. But I will say this. There's a lot of irony in how many people out there wanted the team to bunt and sacrifice. What are you doing when you're bunting? What are you doing when you're sacrificing? You're putting runners into scoring position. What did the Brewers not do during this postseason run? They did not hit with runners in scoring position. So everybody who wants the team to sacrifice and put runners into scoring position, it was, why? Why? They weren't, they weren't doing anything. Even when they had runners on third with less than two outs, they weren't doing anything. So you're just, you're, you're going to keep doing, you're, you're going to put, I don't know. You get it. You get what I'm saying. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, you can also uh, tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, let's go to uh, John in Milwaukee. Hey, John. You're uh, you're on Brew October Nightly. Hey, good afternoon. I think if you step back and look at the season, really in June, July, and parts of August, the Brewers performed way above their average or what would have been predicted for them and they started to come back to earth in september and october and i don't think that had anything to do with resting people or momentum losing momentum it was just kind of coming back to what was really where their level was at they underperformed during the playoffs and that put counsel in the position uh, where he had to make really tough choices choices that he wouldn't have wanted to have made and not executing after those decisions made them look like bad decisions. But overall, really good year, much better than we could have hoped for. Yeah, John, good call. That, that, that's a great point, that the decisions were made to look worse than they were because they didn't work. That's, that's the bottom line on this. And if you go into a slump like this during, during the regular season, you come out of it. You come out of it. It was a very, uh, very uneven Jekyll and Hyde, roller coastery type year for the team uh, offensively, whatever term you want to use. I mean, they were they were as bad as any team offensively before they got Willie Adamas. It took a little bit after May twenty second for uh, that's the date that Willie Adamas was acquired. It took a little bit for them to get going, and then as they went through June and July, they were one of the best offensive teams in baseball. Those two months were fantastic. By some metrics, they were the best offensive club in baseball during that period, and then they started to fall off again in the month of uh, in the month of September. 
And we'll have the momentum conversation coming up in just a moment because there are people who are just going to die on the hill that the Brewers slowing down at the end of the regular season is why they did not perform in the postseason. I understand why people believe that. I don't believe that. We'll certainly have that discussion coming up in uh, just a moment or so. Uh, But before we get to that, let's get uh, one more uh, phone call. Glenn is in Burlington. Hi, Glenn. You're on Brew October Nightly. Yes, good evening. Um, My concern was, I mean, Council's only fault that I could see. I mean, he had to be perfect with that pitching because he couldn't afford to give up a run. I mean, and they just didn't hit. And I'm sure when he put people in the bat to uh, pinch hit and all that, I mean, he put them up what he thought was the best hitter at the time. You look at the team batting average, I think they were the lowest team of any in the playoffs. when they didn't hit that much all year. Yeah, they had some streaks, but they, they don't have a 300 hitter on the team other than some catcher that batted like 15 times. But other than that, um, nobody hit 300 on that team, and I think that um, – when you look at some of these other teams in the playoffs, you'll see batter after batter. It's like three or four guys in a lineup over 300. Um, they don't have that. And I, I don't know. I don't think you have the players to do it this year. Yeah, they that and that's where we're going to get into later on in the program because where does the team go from, go for, go, where do they go from here? And I do think you got to get better offensively. You have to get better offensively. And you try to figure out where you can get better offensively. Uh, and there certainly are some positions there. You look at first base. Uh, Aviseo Garcia can be a, a free agent. And I think Aviseo Garcia had a really good year. But at the same time, those outfield spots can be prime offensive positions. This is no disrespect meant to Garcia. But can you take right field? And can you turn that into a better offensive position? You probably can. And may you appreciate what Garcia did, but maybe you move forward with somebody else in right field if you can get an impact bat out there. Uh, there certainly is a lot to get to uh, during uh, during this uh, during this off season, and we will discuss that. As far as team batting averages in the postseason, uh, the Bre- if you include the wild card teams, the Brewers were the fourth worst team from a team batting average standpoint. The Yankees, the Giants, and the Cardinals all below the Brewers. So the Brewers at 192. The Yankees in their one game hit 188. The Giants in their four games have hit 184 as they're going to a decisive game number five tomorrow. And then the Cardinals in their one game hit 156. If we get rid of the Yankees and the Cardinals because they lost the wild card games, then the Brewers had the second to worst uh, team batting average in the postseason, only in front of the San Francisco Giants, the Tampa Bay Rays right in uh, front of them. All right, momentum. Did the momentum or the lack thereof of the regular season carry into the postseason? We'll discuss that in just a moment. This is Brew October Nightly. Continuing on with the final edition, the final edition of Brew October Nightly. It's been fun doing this show. I've certainly uh, enjoyed it. Hope everybody has enjoyed having it on on an every uh, night basis as we've gone through the Brewers' playoff run. The only issue, it did not, uh, it did not go long enough. We would have liked to have been able to uh, do this for for more time, but uh, unfortunately, that simply uh, that simply did not happen. 855-616-1620, the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet into the program at Matt Pauly on air. So there's this there's this overwhelming narrative from people that the Brewers slumped at the end of the regular season and then they just continued to slump into the postseason. A lot of people saying that 
when they did not play well against St. Louis. Uh, there, the home series against St. Louis that was back starting on September 20th. Remember, they were coming back home for the final homestand. They went Cubs, Cardinals, Mets, and they played a four-game series against St. Louis. And they did not, uh, they did not play well against St. Louis at all as the Cardinals went on uh, that great run. Uh, the belief is that something happened there that they changed as a team. They lost their confidence, whatever it might be. I get frustrated with that narrative because there's, yes, the Brewers did not play well down the stretch of the regular season. They did not play well offensively down the stretch of the regular season, and that carried over into the postseason. I'll, I'll certainly agree with that. I don't know how you couldn't agree with that. Like that's, that's a pretty standard fact. But as we've talked about a lot, I'm not trying to be a broken record. You look at the numbers, you look at the data, you look at the historical data. And just because you're playing well at the end of the regular season or just because you're not playing well at the end of the regular season, there is zero, literally there is zero correlation to the way that impacts the way you go into the postseason. You can be a hot team and you can stay hot in the postseason or you can go cold or you can be a cold team at the end of the regular season and you can get hot or you can, you can stay cold. Like, there, is, there is zero correlation. This year's postseason is a great is a great example of that. The Tampa Bay Rays won seven of their last ten games going into the postseason. They were absolutely rolling. What happens? They lose to uh, they lose to the Boston Red Sox. Oh yeah, the Boston Red Sox. Now, admittedly, their final weekend when they were playing the Washington Nationals and the Nationals had nothing to play for, the Red Sox won those games against the Nationals. But before the final weekend, they lost two of three to the horrible Baltimore Orioles and they got swept by the Yankees. So before the final weekend, they lost five of six between the Yankees and Orioles. And the Red Sox are the first team to get into the ALCS. The St. Louis Cardinals went on a historic, a historic winning streak. They lose in the wild card game. So when people sit here and talk about the momentum uh, or the lack thereof at the end of the regular season for the Brewers, stretching into the postseason, I feel like you're selectively choosing something because it kind of fits your narrative or fits your agenda, whatever it might be. Because there's just you, you look at all of the data, and there just there isn't a correlation between how you finish off the regular season and and what happens in the postseason? It, anything can happen. So I don't, I, you know, if if the Brewers would have found a way to get the bats going, if they would have turned on, if they would have been the offensive team that they were in July and August, then we never even have a second thought about how they played in the month, and we probably praise Craig Council for the way he rested players and got them healthy. It just so happened that it didn't work out that way. Andy in Delafield has given us a call. Hey, Andy, you're on Brew October Nightly. Hey, how are, how is everybody doing tonight? Um, I've, doing right. I've got a unique perspective. I uh, you're doing okay. You can hear me. Yeah. I got um, you. So I live. I work here in Milwaukee. I live in Atlanta. I've gone to as many Braves games this year as I have gone to Brewers games. Uh, a hometown guy. I was rooting for the Brewers. The Braves are a really good team, and I think that's something that's missing from this narrative. Um, they're a good team, and they lost their best player, okay? Ronald Cunha Jr. went down with a, you know, ACL injury, and they had to remake their whole lineup, which their GM did, 
um, at the at the trade deadline. And I think the Brewers made some great trades at the trade deadline as well. But I think what everybody has to here has to respect, and, and again, Brewers are my hometown team. Um, they they did a great job. They just lost in a in a five game series. It's it's that simple. It's like there's nothing wrong with Craig Council. There's nothing wrong with the lineup. I mean, obviously they can figure out how to hit some, you know, get some better hitting and so forth. But um, you know, it, it they're fine. It, this is a good team. It's a good management team. It's a good front office. Um, they just lost in a three of five best, and and the Braves just figured out how to do it over that five game series. So I'll let it go of that. Thank you. Yeah, that look. That's the that's an important part of this is the baseball playoffs. It's a it's a short series, and anything can happen. Anything can happen. I think it, baseball more than any other sport feels like the sport where if you're hot at the right time, then that's going to give you the opportunity to go all the way. That's why the David Stearns method is get yourself into the playoffs on an every year basis, and one of these years you're going to be playing your best baseball at the exact right time, and you're going to make a fantastic run. Because if you if you take the approach that you're going to go all in for one season and then you do a little bit of a rebuild after that, there's no guarantee that just going all in for that one season is going to result in a championship. There is a higher percentage chance that you are going to win a championship by giving yourself a shot on an every year basis to get there. I'd be interested. I should have listened. I wish I, I now. I wish I would have spent some time today uh, listening online to sports radio in the uh, in the Tampa area. Because that's a that's a Rays team that won a hundred games during the regular season, and I'm curious if on Tampa radio today if they're trying to fire their manager and if they are um, if they're talking about how disappointing of a season it was because they did not advance in the postseason. They matched up against a, a Red Sox team that was hot at the exact right moment. I think the Red Sox are the least talented team of every team in the playoffs, including the wild card teams. They won the wild card game. Just because you win a game doesn't mean you're better than the team you played against. I think the Red Sox are the least talented team that's in the entire playoff field, and they were the first team to get into a championship series. Henry's in Tosa. Hi, Henry. You're on Brew October Nightly. Yeah, hey, thanks for taking my call. I just got a couple of quick things. I think this this uh, series that we just played goes totally different if we still have Devin Williams in the lineup and if we had Ryan Braun. Because Ryan Braun can just rake uh, totally confident. And when Christian Yelich got froze up there on, on that last at bat, Ryan Braun would have at least swung the bat. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Peralta could be an interesting uh, trade piece in the off season just because we have so much pitching talent and i think our staff our starting rotation could get by without them and clearly we can't get by uh with any any less offense so uh yeah thank you yeah I th- you mentioned freddie peralta's maybe being a trade piece i think there's a good chance that the brewers do use one of their pitching pieces to bring in a high level bat it's a lot you know hitting is cheaper than pitching generally uh, I would rather be a team that has a lot of pitching and needs to go find hitting than the other because pitching is just so stinking expensive. 
So the Brewers are in a really good spot with the amount of pitching that they have. I don't know if Freddie Peralta is the guy you move, and I always hate doing this because I, I, I do look at the human side of things. I hate uh, talking about, ah, oh, they could move this guy, they could move move that guy. But uh, the guy that I think that maybe they could move and it would make the most sense is Adrian Hauser, especially consider the fact that he's got that sinking fastball. That sinking fastball is one of the single best pitches in all of Major League Baseball, you are going to have some GMs out there that are just going to be all over that. And so that's the guy that I feel like if you, you know, I mentioned earlier, maybe upgrading in right field. If Isayo Garcia can elect free agency, if he indeed does that and you've got a hole in right field, well, can that be your big splash move of the offseason? Can you go get a big-time, all-star caliber right fielder to upgrade the offense that much more? And maybe you do it in free agency. I don't have a list of free agents in front of me right now. But perhaps you do it via the trade and using pitching. Because even if you, this team has all these guys under club control, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, Aaron Ashby. We haven't even mentioned Ethan Small, who has yet to make his big league debut. The amount of starting pitching, high-level starting pitching that this team has, at some point in time, you make a move because you just got too much. And I almost, you almost don't want to say those words because the the old adage in baseball is indeed you, there's no such thing as having too much pitching. But in many ways, one of these starters might benefit you more by them being on another team than, than being on your team. 855-616-1620 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Tax Line. Uh, we'll take our final break. When we come back, uh, Greg Matzik is going to join us. He was in Atlanta. He has already returned. He's just been flying all over, all around the uh, country. He is uh, back. He's got uh, on WTMJ, for those of you who are listening on WTMJ, he'll have Buck shoot around coming up at uh, 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock. Excuse me. I don't even know. What, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. The baseball season is over. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on in my life right now. So, uh, yeah, he's got you at 7 o'clock. We'll talk to him a little bit about uh, about the Brewers and the way the season came to an end and what he saw in Atlanta. That's next. This is Brew October Nightly. Brew October Nightly is back. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Town Bank, a Wintrust Community Bank, and Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. Annex Wealth Management has been a proud sponsor of Brew October. It's time to know the difference. If you're ready to put things in order, so are they. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning as a local independent partner. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. We haven't really mentioned Christian Yelich on this program today, somehow, some way. I was on with uh, Scott Warris earlier today when he was filling in for Steve Scafidi, and we talked a lot about Christian Yelich. We'll be back tomorrow for a standard edition of Brewers Weekly from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. I'm sure we'll get more into Yelich tomorrow. Look, he's got to be better. He's got to be better. The the, the excuses, uh, the knee, the back, the protection in the lineup, the weird schedule, COVID, everything, like that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, any excuses that uh, we have made for why he has struggled offensively, that's officially over now. 
this is a really important offseason for him, and the expectation, he doesn't have to be MVP Christian Yelich next year, but he's got to be all-star Christian Yelich next year. I think that is uh, that is fair, and he just he can't be the guy that he's been these last two years. We'll get into a lot more of that tomorrow on uh, on Brewers Weekly. Let's bring in Greg Matzik, who got back to uh, got back from Atlanta early this morning. He's going to have, uh, for those of you listening on WTMJ, uh, he'll start our Bucks coverage coming up in about 10 minutes minutes or so. Uh, Greg, I guess uh, first and foremost, were, were there many Brewers fans on your uh, on your plane today? Like, what's the, uh, what was the feeling on that airplane flying back to Milwaukee? Does Tom Hardercourt count? He was, uh, he, he was up, he wasn't in first class, but he was, he was Ooh. the first seat out of first class. I noticed mm. that. Uh, and he was maintaining a low profile. So, uh, I was first of all just happy to be on that plane, Matt. So, getting out of the battery district near Truist Park, uh, was not as easy as I thought. It took about 25 minutes for my Uber to arrive, and I think I pulled into the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport at 8:05 for an 8:45 flight. But I did make it. Ooh. I did get Ooh. on board. Thank you to TSA PreCheck for that. It, it saved me. 8:05 for an 8. That's that's solid. That is, uh, <laughs> I am I am impressed with that. The 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 first seat after first class is the worst seat on the plane because you're just staring at what you don't have. Oh right, and where do your feet go? Like at least you can stick them under the feet if you're you know in row 15 or 16, but you have to kind of just stick them on the wall, uh, yeah. which is not right. But uh, nonetheless, Tom looked comfortable. Uh, quiet plane ride, and I, I get it. And it was a, a quiet clubhouse it was a quiet flight home for the brewers and in talking to christian yelich last night after the game he was near tearing up matt and i sent that interview to you after we spoke he's down man he is down on himself and i I feel like he's broken a little mentally and a little physically and it just he's searching and i you hate to see that from a guy so uh you know recently removed from brilliance and i it just it's amazing to watch and it's unfortunate yeah, you know, it's when something's wrong with somebody physically, it's really easy for us to talk about. When something's wrong mentally, like how do we I don't know how to discuss that. I don't know what what they can do. I don't know how to get into the right frame of mind. Everybody's brain, everybody's emotional state is is very very different. It's very hard for me to try to have an opinion on what Yelich needs to do if a lot of these issues are mental, and, and I think they are. You know, and it was an interesting discussion with Corbin Burns in the last couple of years because that was something that he clearly dealt with and, and, and had a plan, and he has seen the plan through to today. He still talks with a, a mental coach. Uh, they have regular check-ins, and, and look what it's done for him. It was never about the talent. It was all about just kind of staying in the moment and being in the present on the mound. And he would let one mistake snowball, and it just turned into kind of a lost season a couple of years ago. Well, things changed in a hurry for him, and, and he was very open and honest about what he went through. I, I don't know if that would benefit Yelich. I don't know, but it is interesting to have another example in that clubhouse of an incredibly talented player who fell on hard times, sought some counseling to get out of it, and it worked. Do the Brewers need to make changes in reaction to this series, or do you look at it as, look, it's baseball, and you know, we, we talked about the Tampa Bay Rays. They were a 100-win team that got uh, sent out of the, the divisional series. Do you say the, the process is working, you just happen to have a bad postseason series? Uh, I think that's a really interesting question, because I was speaking today on the uh, Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ about the number of players the Brewers have control over. 
It doesn't mean they'll all be back, but the Brewers have control over the overwhelming majority of that uh, NLDS roster. Many are arbitration eligible, and that'll get sorted out with their salary and whatnot. But the Brewers have control over who is back and who is not. The biggest question remains with me, is Josh Hader a trade target? And I have always settled on no for that, Matt, and I'm going to have to do some searching on what makes most sense, but if I need a thunderous bat and I'm David Stearns, is Josh Hader my best bargaining chip, or is he critical to the back-end success of that bullpen? And the answer to that may be yes. So that remains an interesting off-season question for me. I think the way things went down with Devin Williams also impacts that because you don't really know. Williams has to get surgery on his hand and everything. You don't know if that's going to impact him in a long-term kind of way. They say it's a very routine, common surgery, but anytime there's surgery, nobody really knows how you're going to react to that. Plus, I am, I'm worried for Williams from a, from a mental standpoint. He's sitting in Phoenix last night watching the eighth inning, the inning that is his inning, and that's the inning where the Brewers lose it. Like, that cannot be easy for him. Yeah, just kind of melted down there. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with using Josh Hader in that situation, but yes, to your point, uh, that's a spot ripe for Devin Williams. It's got his name all over it, and it, it was the entire season. Uh, who's not going to be back? Like if if you look at like the core players, all are under control. Is there anybody that you look at and say, well, that's that's an interesting decision. That's not an automatic that this player will be back just because he is arbitration eligible or under contract with the Brewers. Yeah, I'm always bad at the the non tender predictions and. Uh, last year I was horrible. Like I thought they were going to tender almost everybody, and they tendered like nobody. So I'm the I'm the hor- most horrible person to ask that question uh, because I think they tender a lot of guys. Uh, from a core standpoint, though, you know Garcia can be a free agent, and I as good of a job as he did this year. If you're going to bring in an all star bat, well then right field's a great place to go find somebody. Uh, I don't I, I don't think that Eduardo Escobar comes back. That'd be you know you have Luis Urias who really had a breakthrough season this year plays so well defensively over at third base. Uh, but there's going to be some surprising non-tenders. And the other side of this, Greg, is you're going into uh, a year where we don't even know when next season's going to start because of the collective bargaining agreement, and we know how nasty it can get between players and owners. I hope there's no work stoppage, but that's going to loom over this offseason as well. Yeah, I wanted to forget about that. You reminded me of it. The agony, the pain of non-baseball, right? I just I cannot envision a season not starting on time. I, I hope they get it off up and running, but I, it's always a question mark with Major League Baseball. I never know what's going on in the mind of Rob Manfred. Yeah, and look, the players, is, oh, the working relationship between the two sides. I'm not a fan of Rob Manfred, but bluntly, I'm not a fan of the Players Association leadership either because it just doesn't seem like anybody has a spirit of wanting to work together. And when you have that, all of a sudden you've got millionaires and billionaires that are costing normal people the opportunity to watch, listen, enjoy baseball, and I don't like that. Greg, I appreciate you got uh, you got Buck Shooter on here in just a few minutes for I, folks listening on WTMJ. That is correct. From 7 to 7.30, then it's the Bucks and Jazz on WTMJ. All right, very good. So that's going to do it for this edition of Brew October Nightly. Uh, for those of you listening on The Truth and on ESPN, really enjoyed being able to bring this program to you on an every-night basis. For those of you on WTMJ, we will continue to come your way weekly uh, with Brewers Weekly on Thursday nights from 8 to 9, including tomorrow. Also, we have the Brewers Extra Innings Podcast. That's at WTMJ.com. That releases uh, every Sunday night, early Monday morning. So we'll still be talking a whole lot of Brewers baseball. I'll talk to you tomorrow from 8 to 9 for Brewers. Weekly over on WTMJ.